0: Hey, it is, uh, it's good to be with you this morning, and that is such a hopeful song. And I don't know how you come into this morning, into this new year, um, but we're glad that you're starting it out with us here at Rock Hills. I'm Pastor Dave, um, and if you're new, uh, we love to get to know you. Please hang out after service. Um, we're, we're interested in where you're at and how you're starting out this new year. So here's the question, a new year. I mean, is it true that nothing changes on New Year's Day? I mean, I guess it depends on our perspective, right? Where we're starting out this year. And hopefully, as we come into it, we're thinking there's an opportunity to begin again. There is a hopeful sense that we have. Now, we uh, we are in different places. We have different perspectives as we look at the year. I mean, some of us, We come in, um, you know, know, a few days ago, we were like, hey, it's a new year. I'm so pumped about the opportunities of this year. Things are going to be different. I know my life is going to be better this year. Anybody feel like that as you start out the year? Raise your hand. It's okay if you don't feel like that, but if you feel like that, raise your hand. You're the optimists, all right? You are the optimists. You're the ones who say, wow, imagine a new opportunity Look what life could be like. Well, how many of you are rolling your eyes right now, saying, okay, I think it'd be great if things would be better, but what's going to change in your life for things to get better, Mr. or Ms. Dreamer? So raise your hand if this is you right here. You're the realists. You're the ones who say, how? How are things going to be different What's the plan? How are things going to change? Well, oftentimes, we're both. We have a tendency toward one, but we're both. Now, did you know how most optimists and realists end up spending time together? Anybody know? You get married, optimists and realists. That's right. So I learned this very early on in my marriage, um, that my optimism wasn't fully shared with my wife, Candace. Now, again, we both, have, we both have some of each, but I would come kind of bounding back into the bedroom, cause I'm up early in the morning, coming in to say, good morning, it's going to be a phenomenal day, thinking in my head, this could be the best day on record. And she would respond by saying something like, be quiet, I need to sleep some more, and I'm undecided, is what she was thinking on whether this is going to be a great day or not. So we had to learn that early on. Um, Another time, so years ago when I first had the vision, the idea to move to San Antonio and start Rock Hills. I mean, I was states away at that time and had this vision, which uh, Candace thought, this is a great idea. It's a great vision. And so I was thinking, wow, imagine if we, and this was like over a year before we made the move. I'm talking about, imagine what this could be like. I was like, wow, imagine if God is doing this, what this faith community could be like. And she uh, was saying, okay, that's great, Dave. I I love the idea. If God is moving in this direction, I'm interested. But she's like, how is it gonna happen? We don't have any people. How are you gonna get some people? How are you gonna get some money together so that we can move? How are we gonna pay the bills? How are we gonna eat? I mean, all these kinds of questions, which were very good questions, right? You see, optimists and realists, we need each other. And again, we have some of both of us inside of us, but we all have a tendency, and optimists and realists need each other. Now, there's another person um, in our life. Um, Sometimes we have a few of them that aren't as helpful, Now, this is someone we're all familiar with, um, and they're the person that when there's an idea put out there, it's the person who always responds, that will never happen. It's impossible. That was attempted before, and it didn't work, or it worked over here, but it will not work here. I think that's a stupid idea. Yes, the pessimist is alive and well in our world, right? And some of us we know this person. Some of us are struggling with this inside of ourselves right now. Um, I, I love this uh, cute little story about a, uh, it was a, a guy who went duck hunting, and he was a duck hunter. He needed a new dog, a bird dog. And so he went out looking for one. He was an optimist, and he, uh, you know, he searched, and he found this dog. And he was amazed because this dog literally could walk on water. And he's like, I, I mean... None of my friends are going to believe this. I've just got to get them out with me and, uh, so the dog can do his stuff. So he took one of his friends out with him, duck hunting. You know, ducks come over. They shoot. Duck comes down. His dog jumps in the water and goes running across the top of the water, gets a duck, and comes back. Friend says nothing. The whole day goes like this where they're shooting ducks. The dog's skirting across the top of the water, coming back. Friend says nothing. So they're driving home. He's like, I, got, I gotta ask. So he says to his friend, hey, did you notice anything different or unique about my new dog today? And his friend just said straight-faced. He said, yeah, I noticed that your dog can't swim. <laughs> hey, um, I want you to know, if, if you're stuck as a pessimist today, and frankly, we don't know when we're stuck in pessimism, Right? Um, it's okay. We truly believe as a community that this is a come-as-you-are faith community. We all start out wherever we are, and we're gonna love you right where you are. But here's the thing. As we move forward to what God is doing in our world and hopefully is wanting, you know, we can connect with what he wants to do in our lives, we need to be moving, taking steps because if this, if this year is going to be different, if it's going to be new, we have to believe something. This is the starting point for us today. We have to believe that a better future is possible. Otherwise, nothing will change. The starting point is we have to believe that a better future is possible. So do you believe this morning that a better future is possible. I mean, despite your situation, your circumstances, some of the struggles that you may be facing, do you believe that your life can get better this year? Where you can know that you are making a positive contribution to the world and your relationships, making the world better? Well, if so, if you believe that, what do you need to do to walk into that new experience, that better future? And if not, if you struggle to believe this, then what needs to change? That's what we're gonna be talking about, and we're gonna look into the scriptures as we pursue an answer today, a starting point, because God gives us examples throughout the scriptures of people who struggle. Some are stuck in pessimism. Some are realists and optimists who, over time, are able to overcome tough circumstances and difficult barriers and experience the power and the grace and the provision of God. And ultimately, you know what they believe? They believe that a better future was possible. And because of their faith, because of their mindset, they acted and their belief, or through their belief, change came. Well, Nehemiah, as we take a look at his life, He demonstrated this for us. He believed in a better future. And so last week, we gave a little background on Nehemiah. I want to kind of pick up there. It's 450 BC approximately. And uh, here's Nehemiah. He's in exile. He's a Jewish young man who, you know, he's living far, far away from Jerusalem, the homeland of his people. He's up in Persia. And he grew up in exile. We don't know much about his background. We don't know what, uh, whether his parents are around, what exile was like for him growing up. But we do know some things about him. Apparently, he must have been very gifted, very bright, very smart. He had good character because at some point in his youth, he got noticed. People started to notice that he was special. He was excelling in his academics, and in whatever his experiences were. And so he was given a scholarship. He was chosen um, to get the highest level of education in Persia. And as he continued and he excelled more, ultimately he was chosen to serve in the king's court. Now this is incredible. What an honor. And it shows that he really was becoming a big deal in Persia. This Hebrew man was in this significant position. He became the cupbearer in charge of making sure that the king wasn't poisoned. Now, this is, this is huge. You're right there. You have a relationship with the king. You're like his secret service. You're one of his top guys. And he had special privilege and relationship with the king because of it. Well, how do we know this? Well, let's pick up the text in chapter 2 of Nehemiah. And here's how the story goes. In the month of Nisan, which is the spring, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and I gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. So this shows that Nehemiah had a relationship with the king. The king knew him well enough to know that he wasn't right, that there was something wrong inside. It wasn't because he was sick or he wanted to bend there in the king's presence. Something was going on inside of Nehemiah. So, what was troubling him? Well, he had just received a report from Jerusalem. Some friends had come back, and exiles were returning to Jerusalem, to the city, and he was broken. He was devastated because of the condition of the city of Jerusalem. It laid in ruins. Its walls were broken down. They could not protect themselves. And so Nehemiah felt like, I have got to do something about this. And here's what's interesting. Nehemiah, because he was in this position, he was so close to the king. He had tremendous privileges. He was recognizing that he was in a position and had a relationship with the king that put him in a unique position position to bring change. He was in a unique position, but he would have to sell it to the king first. I mean, nothing was going to change if he wouldn't approach the king. He had to go to the king with a vision of a better future for his people in Jerusalem. And so he went to the king. He continues, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And we wonder, why was he so afraid if he had a relationship with the king? Why was he afraid? Because he knew that it wasn't just with his king, it was with any king. If you approached the king and you asked them something that they didn't like, you were done. Your life could be over. And so he knew as he approached the king, of course, he said, May the king live forever. You are an awesome king. By the way, king, you are marvelous. It was a traditional greeting, but he made it known, King, you are awesome, and I am putting this before you. So it took faith, it took optimism, it took courage for Nehemiah to make his pitch to the king, to go to him. And here's something else that Nehemiah knew as well. He knew it was the king of Persia's philosophy that they had taken many nations that were living under their authority, that they had had conquered these nations. But it was the king's practice in all these nations to support their religion and their culture. And so Nehemiah, knowing this, presented to the king, I want you to do something for my nation and for my people. So here's what he presented to the king. The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, Let him send me to the city of Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. And then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, How long will your journey take, and when will you be back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. That means he got the okay, and then he had to get ready to head to Jerusalem to carry out this journey vision, this project. Well, we have to notice and we can't miss that Nehemiah, he had a vision, he had faith, he had optimism that there could be a better future for his people. He believed that was possible, but he was also a realist. He knew that it would take a lot for that to happen. He needed to get the king's approval and support. He needed to have the king behind him. In fact, he even asked for the king to put some resources behind his work and his trip, and the king said yes. So being a realist, that meant that Nehemiah was putting a plan together as well, a plan to rebuild the city walls. Now, we got to stop right there because that's next week. So I want to invite you to be back next week. We're going to talk about Nehemiah's plan next week to rebuild the city walls. Today, we want to focus on how Nehemiah's belief, his mindset, his optimism for a better future paved the way for some incredibly powerful things to happen. Now think about this for a moment. Without this mindset... If he wouldn't have been willing to risk and had the courage to step forward into this and to go before the king on his people's behalf, nothing would have changed. He never would have gotten the king's support. He never would have been able to pursue rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem. It started with this step of faith and optimism. So here's what I'd like you to do. Put yourself in the story for a moment. How would you approach this? Now, this is what's difficult for us because we don't live among kings and presidents, do we? None of us has spent time in a king's court. I doubt any of us has spent time in the president's cabinet. So how do we find some context? Well, I think we have to start examining our own life and relationships, And if we want to take a step into a better future, the question is, what do we need to do? And ultimately, what do you need to do? And if we get honest, it means that some of us, we may need to change our mindset. We might have to overcome some negative behaviors that are a part of our life. I mean, who do you need to talk to if change is going to be possible? I mean, there's risk involved, right? When we have to talk to somebody face-to-face or we have to pick up the phone, there's some risk. And as we look at what needs to change, what we need to do, that may mean you need to talk with your boss. You might have to make a decision to pursue a new Job. You might have to have a difficult conversation with your spouse or a family member. You might have to leave some friends behind because of their influence on you. But the starting point is you. Where do you need to begin if a better future is going to be possible? Well, if we want to begin again today, we have to believe a better future is possible. So what is that vision? What is that idea of something better in your life? And it's okay if you're sitting there saying, Dave, I don't know. I want to know, but I don't know what it is. But I think we all have to agree, it's, it's not okay if we stay there feeling like that. It's not okay if we say, it doesn't matter how I feel about the future, because God wants to do something in each of our lives. So as you kind of examine yourself, as you take an inward look, I mean, a good starting point is, are you an optimist? Are you a realist? Are you a pessimist? That can be a tough question for us on our own to sort through right? So where are you? And you may be uh, pretty clear on, okay, this is how I'm starting out. These are the issues I'm dealing with. I think this is the area I need to focus on. You may need somebody's help this morning. And so I want you to begin thinking of someone who can help you, someone who can help you as you go through this process of understanding your starting point, So who are the people that are in our lives? I mean, this is somebody that knows you well, somebody who's been a mentor, somebody who's been involved in your life and who can give you honest advice and feedback. I mean, somebody who cares about you, who wants to see you do well, right? This isn't the person who's gonna tell you exactly what you wanna hear. Who's the person in your life that can give you some helpful feedback? Well, what I'd like you to do right now is to take out this card. There's a card on your chairs. Um, you, may not, you may look at this and say, hey, I'm not living the dream. <clears throat> um, I don't know if I am either, but this is kind of a first step for us, and I hope it'll be something that can help each of us as we continue this conversation, this series this month. On the first side of the Living the Dream card this is a space for you to write down that person's name. This is the person that knows you, who you know may you know, can give you some, some important feedback, not necessarily what you want to hear, but can tell you the truth. I mean, this is somebody who can encourage you and somebody who can challenge you. And I'd like you, that if you've got that person, to put their name here on the front, um, here's what I'd like you to do in terms of that person or that relationship. This week, I want you to call them. I want you to get in touch with them and set an appointment to sit down and just talk about your life and faith, what your starting point is, and ask them for feedback. On the back side of the card, um, this is your vision This is an idea for a better future this year. What could be possible in your life? And I'd like you to put just a a word, maybe a sentence. The first thing that you sense on your heart can be a change for you, a possibility for you as you look at this year. It doesn't have to be well thought out. It's just the first thing that you sense that God may be putting on your heart. And I'd like you to keep this card. Keep it with you. You can show it to your your friend um, that you get in touch with and start talking to this about. But keep this card with you. And last week when we talked about prayer, Nehemiah, he started his whole process with prayer. He went before God day and night. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And we talked about taking the next 40 days, so we're already a week into it. But basically until February 14, for us to pray individually, God, what is it that you're trying to impress on my life? How can I experience more of you? How can I begin to see a better future? You can use this card to pray that prayer. And again, as we get into February, um, I think there'll be lots of stories for us to tell in terms of how God is speaking in our lives and into this community. Because here's the deal. I mean, Jesus came into this world so that we can have a relationship with the God who made us. And Jesus lives every day with the full possibilities of what God is doing and wants to do in the world and ultimately wants you to be a part of. I believe that as we sort this through, God will show us, I mean, some of us are in a unique position to have an influence on somebody else or to make the world better, and God will show us what that looks like for our lives. And you, uh, I'm just as I continue, continue to think through this, you may be thinking, "How could God possibly use me, given what's happening in my life, or what I'm struggling with, or who I am?" Well, Jesus says, "I will go with you, and I will meet you right where you are." And as I was thinking about this this week, um, I, uh, I could not get this uh, this guy off my mind. He's, uh, he, you know, he grew up in Alabama. Um, This guy, he grew up in average family. He was one of three boys. He was the youngest of three sons. I mean, his family was pretty average. His dad worked, his mom was there. Um, you know, you know, lots of you know, struggles, but it was pretty average. And then as he went through middle school and started high school, his dad's job, his business started to tank. And he took on a ton of debt and he started drinking day in and day out. His dad was an alcoholic. Things got really terrible at home. And ultimately, when he was a sophomore in high school, his uh, parents split up, his dad left, his brothers were starting to move out of high school, and he and his mom were left without a home. House was foreclosed on. They tried to get an apartment, tried to get a condo. That didn't work out. Through high school, he moved around to friends' houses, family's houses, they stayed in hotels. And ultimately, he got accepted into the University of Alabama. And so he started at Alabama, but the thing was, his mom had no place to live. And so he said, Mom, you got to just come live with me. He had a two-bedroom apartment with a, a friend of his, and he said, you and I will live in one of the bedrooms. And they did that for most of his college experience. Now, the guy that I'm talking about is the head football coach of Clemson, about to play Alabama in the national championship game. And here's this guy, Dabo Sweeney. Now, um, I was really interested to find out how, that's an interesting name, how to get the name. Well, his brother, his oldest brother, when he was growing up, called him that boy. But in Alabama, that boy is Dabo. Dabo Sweeney. Pretty interesting, huh? Anyway, so here's this kid who grows up with really nothing through tremendous pain, through conflict in his house. He had, you know, was poor, barely you know, could to make it into college, lived with his mom. And yet it was his faith where sometime during high school he believed, he believed that there was a better future for him because God was in his life. Jesus met him in that difficult time and things didn't change overnight. Things were hard for a long time, but Dabble over and over, day after day, believed there's a better future. And here he is in this place, a place he could have never imagined, where he is in a unique position, not just to win the national championship as they play Alabama, he's in a unique position because he can share his life in faith with many other people who are searching for hope and a vision for their lives. And you know what? You can too. No matter what your starting point is, you can help create a better future for people around you. Pray with me, please. Lord, we're grateful for this morning. God, as we... As we are confronted with the stories throughout the scripture and we see people just like ourselves, we see people who are given tremendous opportunities and we may feel like our life is nothing like that, but today, Jesus show us that our life matters. And that as we uh, do our best to figure out where are we, how are we starting out, how are we approaching life? that we can begin to see that there is a better future and that our life and our faith matters. Jesus, show us the way. We pray this in your name.